welcome to this week's The Poem, The Podcast, The Parsha, or perhaps it's The Poem, The Parsha, The Podcast. Nailed it. There you go. Took me a while. It was that flight back from New York. Yeah. I mean, that can take away some brain power. I mean, the sound of itself can fry your brain. Honestly. But here we are, Adrian. Yes. Back here, and it's Parshat Baha'alotecha. Yes. And finally... These Israelites are on the move. They have a lot to say about it, don't they? Goodness gracious, these—they've been camped by at uh, the, how shall we say, at the bottom of the Mount Sinai, around Sinai, the valley, the valley. There you go. And it's time for them to move, and they are on their way to the Holy Land, the Promised Land, and what we're going to see unfolding in the next two parshiot is, although if all had gone well, they would have gotten to the Holy Land, to Israel, to Canaan, in 10 days. Well, let's just say because of certain of their choices, mm. this did not happen. So let's talk about this reality of being in the desert. It, it is a reality, and it is it is that sort of... Um, and I, Have we talked this, about this before, about like the in-between place? The sort of neither here nor there, the the stuckness that happens with that. I feel like we have talked about that before, and I feel like this Parsha especially speaks to that. And I feel like the poem that we have curated for this week um, speaks to not just the the stuckness, but the sense of longing that comes when one is stuck. Um, This week's poem is Desert by Josephine Miles, who was... um, She was a, a brilliant poet, but she was also a scholar, and she was the first woman to ever be granted tenure in the the state of California university system. So, so she Josephine is our hero. Josephine is our hero. Josephine um, really paved the way for some people who are, I mean, some people have been very important to me, not to me because I'll never see tenure in my life, which is fine. It's fine. Let go of it. Um, I have. I have just... <laughs> I have left that astern. Um, So I think when we look at at Miles herself and when we look at this poem, we can really see a sort of shaping of landscape that I think the Parsha also speaks to. And that's both a physical landscape and an emotional landscape. I think that's so intriguing. I once had the opportunity in one of the times I was studying in Israel, a tour guide took us to the desert at around 10 o'clock at night for us to experience desert. Oh my. I'm not going to share the whole long story of how we got lost. However, it was a whole deal with desert. Yeah. And desert seems to be a very powerful symbol. Yes. And especially in the Torah and the travel through the desert. And I'm going to... After you read the poem, we'll talk a little bit about how desert pops up a couple of times, the idea of Midbar in the Parsha. So take it away. Desert by Josephine Miles. When with the skin you do acknowledge drought, the dry in the voice, the lightness of feet, the fine flake of the heat at every level line. When with the hand you learn to touch without, surprise the spine for the leaf, the prickled petal, the stone scorched in the shine, and the wood brittle. Then where the pipe drips and the fronds sprout, and the foot-square forest of clover blooms in sand, you will learn and watch, but never touch with your hand. This is a poem whose words 
I mean, the poem's words are so carefully selected as all poems are carefully selected, of course. Mm -hmm. But when you said flake of the heat at every level line, yes. it just conjures up so many images if you've been in the desert. Yes. And you've been in the heat and you almost feel like, you know, you're you're flaking away. Yes. That that tightness that happens to your skin, your hair, like, ugh. The stone scorched. Yes. The fronds sprout. The unrelentingness of it all. And, and you lean and watch but never touch with your hand. And I think that's speaking to the idea of the desert as you don't really see distance. No. Meaning you see the desert and, you know, the whole idea of mirage and it's close to you, it's far from you. And yes. You're not going to touch that. No, no way. No way. And and so in the Parsha, so let's talk a little Parsha and we'll go back yeah, and, and maybe explore this poem. But the Parsha in chapter 10, it gives us the date. It's the second year and it's the second month and it's the 20th and uh, the cloud has risen up and they're going yes. to travel. And the word desert appears twice in that verse. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, they're moving from desert to desert. Yes. And um, they camp out. And then there's a goodbye that has to happen. Moshe mm-hmm. has to say goodbye to his father-in-law. And they're talking about should he come, should he stay, should he go? And he says, really, maybe you should stay. You know how to camp. Don't abandon us. We're in the Midbar. You can be our eyes. And I remember reading an article a long time ago in graduate school that you know, we say that Yitro, Jethro, was from Midian, yeah. but Midian seems to appear in a number of different places. And the, yes. and the theory is that Midian, the Midianites were Bedouins. And so oh, therefore they know. appear in different places, and that makes sense with this verse. Isn't there a Rashi that speaks to that on this verse? I feel like I saw something about a Rashi about um, Moshe and Yitro having this, this sort of argument about staying versus going and about how Yitro is... Yitro was essentially like somebody who was always going. And so the idea of staying to him was very foreign. And it's pretty it's pretty remarkable to hear Moshe say, we need you for our eyes. Yeah. I thought God was leading the way. I, with I, that cloud. Yeah, I mean, is Moshe speaking then to some sort of, Maybe and maybe this isn't even something Yitro understands. Is maybe there is some sort of divine connection for Yitro that that he isn't aware of and that Moshe tries to tell him about? Oh, that's so lovely and, and full of grace. Because I was thinking yes. maybe he's just trying to placate his father-in-law. Or that is also Flatter. a very real possibility. <laughs> but I'm I when I think of Moshe, I try to think of like, okay, this is somebody who understands something I never will. So maybe he understood something in that moment, and well, maybe. He thought he did, but he was wrong. And maybe he was also just trying to make his father-in-law be quiet. Or be, or feel or good. Or feel good, or be happy, or want to come yeah. along. But, you know, for our theme of desert, yeah. it's it's still pretty compelling yes. that Moshe's almost speaking to, oh my gosh, we're headed into the desert, and maybe the Paran desert is a deeper p- desert than Sinai, 
and mm -hmm. we know this desert isn't easy, and we know that it is not going to go well, where they're going to be complaining, they're going to be wanting food, and we know they've already wanted water, they're going to want water again, and the desert is scary, and yes. I totally understand that after that wonderful experience of the teal in the desert, the little hike in the desert. Yes. And so tell me, what, what story is this poem telling us about desert? Um, I think I think we've got a story of a self that is sort of caught in this moment when with the skin you do acknowledge drought, right? Like when you finally come to that moment, the dry in the voice, the lightness of feet, the fine flake of the heat at every level line. To me, that speaks to this moment of you are in a situation that you are having difficulty accepting. When with the hand you learn to touch without, surprise the spine for the leaf, the prickled petal, the stone scorched in the shine, and the wood brittle. You are in a potentially a place that is unsafe. You are in a landscape that is... Um, harsh. You know, you, you spoke about the tenure and, mm -hmm. and California, so she knows desert, California. Yes. Let's talk about the year. September 1934. And so I'm wondering She's, if that is anything. I'm wondering if that's anything. I thought about that too when we were talking about how it's the second year and the I was sort of framing that in, okay, September 1934. We have almost globally hit this strange tipping point, right? Mm. Things are starting to shift in the the narrative for Jews. And and California is and an interesting place in the thirties. Yes. Um it is after the crash. Yeah. And we've got the post dust bowl. I was about to say the dust bowl. Yeah. And a lot the grapes of wrath. Yeah, and then we've got also like I'm also thinking of, to my mind, that is a moment when we really started to look towards fantasy as a means to frame ourselves, and so we had the, the, like, the real rise of film and media in a way we haven't seen before, right? Like, we're, we're coming out of hardship looking for ways to feel good, and what feels better than going to the movies? And I just feel like I need to just say nailed it. Uh, Grapes of Wrath was published in 1939. Okay. And of course he had been working on it. Of and, course. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just grab the dates for the Dust Bowl. Um, and and it is meaning this isn't feeling like a safe time. No. In, no. in California, right? No. The Dust Bowl was the name given to the drought sitting plains in the dry period of the 30s. And yes. so everyone, if you've read the Grapes of Wrath, I strongly recommend. We're, the, all of these families from um, those states in the, the middle. Great states. Yeah. yeah. They, they're moving to California. California doesn't have a lot of promise for them. No. And and so when we think about the Dust Bowl, when we think about what happened ecologically for the states yes. um, there, you know, they had stripped the earth of its um, richness, of the fertile layer, of its um, nutrients. And yes. then the whole thing became this horrible, horrible, again, ecological disaster, yes. it almost bringing desert everywhere. Yeah. So it's interesting that in 1934 she's writing around about the desert. Yeah, yeah, she's. Um, I think, and this to me, like zooming out for a moment, I once heard spoke to somebody who was a an ecologist 
who studied ancient cultures and how essentially the Fertile Crescent became a not Fertile Crescent because of the way we treat the land. And as we have gone places, right, as we have spread out, we have essentially left deserts in our wake. And so as I was reading this poem, as I was looking at the Parsha, um, I was really thinking about this idea of are we creating deserts? Is she speaking to the idea of maybe we're in this place that we created and it's not good, right? Well, I am. I think this is so fascinating. And the question is, you know, yes and. Yes, is I this think. a metaphor? Yeah. Is this the actual desert? Is this California becoming a desert? Is it the Dust Bowl? And, and it just is all a, the things. It's all the things. And throwing one more piece in is it's also the years of the Great Migration, mm -hmm. which is, of course, pretty long, um, 1916 to 1970. Yes. But I had just also read The Warmth of Other Suns. Yes. And, and how black Americans from the South thought that they were going to they were going to get to California was going to be comfortable and it was not. No. They were not allowed to buy homes in Los Angeles or San Francisco, hence there was Oklahoma and outside of Los Angeles yeah. and you know just the sad disappointment there of California is a is a desert to mm -hmm. them. I feel in a way that that's just sort of a migration story in general. We're always looking for greener pastures and then we get there and there is no pasture. And so it's, it's a hard lesson to learn. As and these Israelites are on the move. These, yeah, as they're moving, right? Like, as they are headed to what they really think are greener pastures. Um, that's, that's a hard place to be, and it is, a hard, it is hard to let go of that hope. Oh. That hope is... And, uh, like the that hope thing. is, like, literally everything. And it's interesting, because we've read poems that spoke so much to fecundity, to fertile, to yes. wonderful. And this is a poem about the desert. Yes. And and so here's the question. So it begins, when the skin you do acknowledge drought. And then down below, so it's, so the first paragraph begins, the first stanza's when. When. The second stanza's when, when. And then we have then. Yes. So when the skin you do acknowledge drought. When with the hand you learn to touch without, mm -hmm. and there's that rhyming happening. Yes. And then, and then the third stanza, then where the pipe drips and the fronds sprout, is again the same rhyme scheme. Yes. And so, what is her then after these whens? The whens of the desert experience. Then. And then the then. So I'm wondering if is the then the moment of having built, right? Like we're in the desert. We're in the desert. Then where the pipe drips and the fronds sprout. You built something. That pipe didn't appear out of nowhere. And 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 wait, and the pipe drips, so we're gonna get water. Yes. In the desert. Yeah. Enough to grow something. Enough to grow something. But you will lean and watch but never touch with your hand. And isn't that exactly what's going to happen to B'nai Israel, to the Israelites, that they are not going to get into the promised land and neither will Moshe. Yes. Oh yes! I mean, I, I'm sorry. It's that brutal. first generation is not going to make it. The second generation yes. will, Absolutely. but it's brutal. And so it's so I have like actually the chills because yeah. are these two texts, the poem "Desert" and these these verses on Bamidbar, they are so totally you know a connecting yes. here in a way of the desert being a place you are going to be stuck. Yeah, you're not going to realize no. coming to the promised land. The Fertile Crescent that you mentioned, and is this sometimes, I'm sad to say, a metaphor for each one of our lives? I'm sure. I'm sure, right? We, 
we we work or we travel or we, we do and do and do but how many of us actually get to see the end result of the all that we have done I may just we may just have to turn this off and cry um, because... <laughs> way to go Adrian <laughs> um, I'm also thinking about that song the horse with no wings we're in the desert the horse oh, with um... no name and you Come on, the, the desert, desert with the horse, horse with no name. name. Felt good to be out of, of the rain. Um, and in the desert, you don't know your name. Exactly. No one knows your name. Yes. Okay, friends. Yes. Okay, is that America? Yes, I think it is. Okay. Okay, so friends, let's urge you to go to your Shabbat table ready to talk about the desert. Yes. Do not confuse it with dessert. No. Although in our family, or do. no. <laughs> but we do call it. We call dessert desert in our family because of certain members of our family that came from a different country and perhaps called yes. dessert desert. Yes. Um, this is real. This is. It is. And so let's. So, <laughs> so folks, the desert that the Jewish people are going through, the Israelites are going through. Josephine Miles absolutely must have experienced the desert. We each experience a desert. And so let's just hope, though, that we do get our just dessert. <laughs> our just desert. Our just <laughs> desert. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom.